0: Welcome to the Milk Bar.
1: Welcome along to episode 509 of the Milk Bar. Jason Freist here with you as ever. Coming up on the show, we'll be hearing from new old friends. They have a tour across the UK of Crimes on the Nile. We'll have music from For King and Country and have a chat with one of the Smallbone Brothers who make up the band. Also, we'll be hearing from Cornerstone about their forthcoming gig at the New Hampton Arts Centre and have a listen to some of the tracks off their brand new EP. Victoria Pendleton will let us know about bike ability with friends at Halfords and how they'll do a bike check too. That's all coming up. And we'll be hearing from the Hurricane Man about his new TV show. That's all coming up, but first of all, with Club Tropicana at Wolverhampton's Grand Theatre from the 29th of April through to the 4th of May. The man in the pink jacket and pink shoes and probably some gaudy trousers as well is Joe McEldry who joins me on the line now to tell you more about the show. Hello! Good morning, good afternoon, whatever time it is. It's difficult to tell. It's, we'll, we'll go with afternoon for now. Uh, this, this is the state of your lifestyle when you're recreating the world of the, uh, the holiday in the Club Tropicana Hotel, which is the show yes. you're out on tour with, so uh, we, it must be fun. We, we,
2: yes, oh, do you know what it is? We are having such a good time on this show. It's um, it's so much fun. The audiences are great. The music, the story's great. There's great comedy involved in the show. We're just having the best time ever. It's... Uh, it's so much fun.
1: So you weren't even born when the songs in this musical were, were out there? Because I, I keep forgetting, you're What you only about 27 now, aren't you?
2: Yes, so I was born ninety one, ninety one. 91. 91,
1: yeah. So but does this mean that you grew up listening to this sort of stuff with your mum?
2: Well, I think the great thing about 80s music as well is, you know, it's kind of spanned across many decades. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, a lot of the music still stands the test of time now, which is great. So I, I was aware of quite a lot of the songs in the show. Mm-hmm. Um and it was just a case of kind of, you know, working out um, how I was going to sing them and put a little modern twist on them, but also keep them uh, keep them within the, you know, the kind of 80s style.
1: Well, Club Tropicana" itself, obviously a massive wham song. And am I I'm right in thinking that you actually sang with George Michael during one of your X Factor shows? I did, yeah.
2: I got to sing with him on the final, which was incredible. Um, you know, like a once-in-a-lifetime um, experience. And he was lovely. He was very charming. He um, was very he gave me all of the best parts of the song, saying he really wanted to make it my moment, which was very, uh, you know, he didn't have to do that. It was, a, it was an absolute pleasure to sing with him. And, you know, still so shocked that he's not here anymore. You know, mm-hmm. such a legend.
1: And yes, so much more to give. We could have expected some more great music from him, but sadly, as you say, not there. But I mean, these songs bring back fantastic memories of a wonderful time when we saw George absolutely on top form alongside all the other great tracks in there. I mean, things like Culture Club as well. I mean, some brilliant tunes there that you must have a great time rocking out to and popping along to. Uh,
2: Honestly, that's the greatest thing about this show. You know, the music is just so feel good and the audiences just absolutely love it the minute it starts and it's those kind of instant catchy songs that just have people singing and dancing along.
1: Well, we've seen you in the outfit, the Claringo jacket on the poster. (laughs) Did, (laughs) Did you get to have any say in what you were wearing? Are you pleased by this look?
2: Do you know what? I may get work. Um, it's all about how it's all about how you wear it, isn't
1: it? <laughs> right, you you know you enjoy your fashion. We know you always look great whenever you're strutting out on stage. I mean, uh, it's been a while since we last saw you at the Grand. I think, as obviously you were down for the Panto, and we loved having you along for that. And uh, we, when we did the Facebook Live, we got to see how you dressed normally, rather than when you were in Panto outfit. So, yes. uh, it, it's it's is this closer to what you'd be happier going out clubbing in than some of the stuff you normally seen in on stage.
2: What, me, me, uh, do you know what? If I'd, I'd wear the pink jacket out to a club. Why not? <laughs> well,
1: there, make the most of it. But uh, the, the the show itself, though, it does sort of capture that time, and it is the look as much as anything else, isn't
2: it? 100%. 100%. You know, all the costumes and the wigs that everybody wears, it just takes people back to that time, you know? They're so... They were, it was just such a style as, of that time, you know? And they, I think the producers and the creators have really captured that well in the, in the show.
1: So... What is your favourite track in the whole show? I do really enjoy singing Relax, and I also enjoy singing Making Your Mind Up. Ah, so that, that's a good bit of fun. And uh, the the show itself, it, it's got some great comedy moments, and, and you, I am told, get some really funny lines. It, do you know what? It's it's the first
2: time I've done a comedy role, and it's been really exciting to kind of explore that. And I'm just really happy that the audience are enjoying it. You know, they're laughing along. to a, You know, at least people find it funny. That's, that's <laughs> the most worrying thing, is they if they're not laughing at me, then we're not doing my jobs properly. Well,
1: okay, because you are Joe McEldrey, the singer, and in your heads, uh, everyone's heads, you're, you're a singer. But you've proven time and time again that you, you can do this sort of stuff on stage and absolutely wow the audiences. And I know there's going to be people following you all around the country, because you've got a great fan base, haven't you? Um,
2: yeah, I'm very I'm very lucky. I'm very, very lucky. And I've uh, I've been blessed with many opportunities, you know, that I've kind of... Um, I like a challenge. I like to take on things that people don't expect us to do all the time. And I like the surprise. And I'm willing to work hard and and I've been very, very blessed with a great support fan base. so I can't um, and you know you can do all of these things, but if you don't have people coming to see your shows and supporting you, then you can't you can't do it for a very long. and it's coming up ten years now that I've been in this industry, so. It, um, I,
1: I'm very lucky. Well, it, it absolutely seems to have flown by from uh, where I'm sitting and having seen you doing stuff throughout the career. But with new music, I mean, you said you've put your own modern twist on some 80s classics. Do you think there'll be a hint of an 80s vibe in some new music from you in the near future? Well,
2: I, never say never. Never say never.
1: Who knows? Uh, and what <laughs> can we expect that. on the recorded front? Have you got a new album on well, the way? Well,
2: I was in the studio before Christmas mm-hmm. um, and I was writing and recording some original material and I've had to kind of put it on the back burner while... We finish this because this is kind of taking up all of my time. But um it, yeah, it's it's fun, it's fresh, um and you know we're, we're, not, we're nowhere near the finishing processes of it. But it's been exciting to be back in the studio doing songwriting again because so, it was a while. It's been a while.
1: Oh, well, I'm sure everyone's very eagerly looking forward to new work from you on there. They're going to really enjoy seeing you on stage. You'll probably keep the pink shoes and the jacket once you've finished anyway, just to make sure you get something else as a memory of the show, exactly. and, yeah. and and maybe turn up in a music video or two. You never know what could happen there grandtheatre.co.uk to get your tickets 01902 429212 is the box office number but for now Joe McKeldry as Gary star of Club Tropicana the musical thank you for joining us pleasure in a moment or two's time we'll hear from Dave from Cornerstone but now let's take a track from the Beautiful Day EP this is Picture Scene
0: summer's day Not much you need to say All around is a picture scene And she's the prettiest of May queens and She's resplendent The warmth of the summer sun So resplendent So resplendent Stole that kiss. You were, and you still are. Don't you? all she's ever really known. Well, hold tight, she's a roller coaster. Sweetness in a summer dress. Oh Lord, I need to please her. She's such a tease, I must confess. An oasis of serenity. A place to find all sounds
1: That's Cornerstone with Picture C and the EP is Beautiful Day. And I'm joined now by Dave on the line to tell me more about what's going on. Hello, sir. Hiya, Jake. How are you doing, mate? I'm Good. all right. Keeping out of trouble, which is the important thing. But you are currently making sure that people know what you're up to because you've got a gig coming up at the New Hampton Arts Centre very soon, haven't you?
3: We have. We've got one coming up on the 23rd of April. It's to launch of the new EP, which is called Beautiful Day. And uh, really looking forward to playing Hampton Arts Centre. It's a great venue. And we've also got the wonderful and very talented uh, Jasmine Rogers, who's coming up from London and she's going to be our special guest on the night. So, if anyone out there likes to listen to original songs and original music, it'll be a special night. So, uh, please come along and join us. I think when I looked on the website, there's only about 17 tickets left which you can get direct from the New Hampton Arts Centre. So, if you do want to join us, Please go and grab one now, ASAP, and uh, we'll see you on the 23rd. It'd be great to see you.
1: It's yeah, it's important to get those tickets if you want to get there. Like, last chance to buy for this one. I'm sure there'll be many more gigs to come in the near future, but this is special because it is the launch of the EP. And uh, I mean, what what have you got going on? That unreleased music at the moment. Are we expecting a full album soon?
3: Well, we had a fantastic year last year. We launched our debut album, Oh My Days, last year, which you were kind enough to. Mm-hmm. Uh, featured quite a few tracks on and that went down really well. So we played a lot of places over the course of the summer and festivals uh, during bringing into the autumn and then in the winter we went back into the studio to record this new EP so we've sort of been off the scene for the last few months in terms of playing live gigs because we were doing the EP but that's all ready to go and we're really excited about it. And uh, yeah we've got the new Anton Art Centre coming up and then we're playing at the Wakes in Telford in uh the summer and various other festivals and all the details are on the website which is cornerstone.com and that's spelled k-o-r-n-a-s-t-o-n-e uh but yeah we got a fantastic response last year so we've been doing. we're really grateful for all the support and the messages we get from people and the streaming and playing of the songs it's, it's been a really fantastic year for us so just looking to build on it this year,
1: really. Jess Well, we're going to play, feature three of the tracks uh, in the podcast, so you can have a look listen to all, yeah, you know, some of these. Um, and I mean, the music itself. Uh, what's been the basis of it? What, what's got you thinking? Because uh, obviously, the best place to spend the winter months is in the studio. So, uh, were the songs written during the summer days? I'm guessing.
3: Uh, they were sort of. They sort of came together at the back end of last year, to be honest. And uh, we're doing a bit of reminiscing about our younger years and. Uh, when we used to hang around when we the kids around Techno, and one of the songs, the, the title track, Beautiful Days, just our memories from our uh, youthful years in and around around Wolverhampton. So uh, that's where that track came from. Mm-hmm. And that sort of led on from one to another. We sort of tend to get inspired when we're all together, really. The songs seem to come out when we're in the studio and they just seem to form there, really. So, uh, yeah, they were all new songs written at the back of the last year.
1: And when you are approaching the writing, how is that working within the band? Who's doing what?
3: Well, it tends to be myself and Jamie who uh, formulate the idea for the songs and and write the lyrics. And then, you know, as a band, I mean, we're very fortunate really. We've got some very talented people, musicians in the band. We've got Martin Ratcliffe on guitar and uh, Keith Allen on drums and Stuart Ward on bass. And they played in many, many bands around the Wolverhampton area over the years so they all bring something themselves so the music then evolves in terms of uh, what everyone contributes but the core cool nucleus of the songs yeah, comes from myself and, and Jamie and the band all add their special bits to it and uh, yeah we're really pleased with what we've come out of the studio with
1: so before you know it, you've got a cornerstone product and away you go right give us the details how we can get our hands-on tickets for the last few for the 23rd of April well, you just go to online to the New Hampton Arts
3: Centre. It's on the 23rd of April, as I said. We've got the wonderful Jasmine Rogers, uh, who's going to be up and uh, be our special guest. So we're really looking forward to that, and she's played there quite a few times, so people will know her. And yeah, you can get them online at the New Hampton Arts Centre. Uh, just log on and uh, grab a ticket now while you can.
1: And uh, give us the details again where people can find out more about Cornerstone.
3: Cornerstone, you can find out on the website, which is uh, cornerstone.com and it's spelled K-O-R-N A-S-T-O-N-E. I have to say that because obviously uh, people will misspell it otherwise. Uh, We're on Facebook, really. uh, Cornerstone UK. You can find us on Facebook and all the latest information and everything that we've got going on is uh, detailed in uh, Facebook and on the website. So, yeah, it's good stuff. Really pleased. Everything's going really well for us and can't wait to get out there and and play the songs live now.
1: Well it's certainly wonderful, let's take a listen to the title track of the EP Now Beautiful Day, but Dave thanks for joining us
3: Jason, it's a pleasure, always good to speak to you and uh, hopefully we'll get to see you at the gig.
1: Fingers crossed Dave Lawrence, always good to talk to you too, see you soon for now. Thanks matey, bye Good morning, how
0: are you today To be seen he old always stop and He's part of the community and Mr. Stiles is cutting his grass He likes to keep it Top of the class He's hoping that the weather We're having is gonna last. Cause it's gonna last
1: Olympic cycling gold medalist Victoria Pendleton CBE feels schools should offer safety training, especially if they encourage kids to cycle to school. 81% of the UK agree. To tell us more about uh, this survey and of course the, the need to get on your bike, I'm joined now by Victoria Pendleton and Sam Crabtree, Halford's bike expert for kids. How are you doing both? Good, how are you? All good good here. Now, I was lucky enough to do a cycle proficiency test when I was at school and I was very proud I got a small triangular badge that uh, showed I could ride my bike properly. However, this sort of training isn't happening in as many schools as we'd like at the moment.
4: Yeah, cycle proficiency disappeared for a while and, and bikeability is the new cycling proficiency. So this is a, a national cycling charity um, that offers the, the training and, and Halfords are partnering with Bikeability to offer it to more schools. Hopefully it aims to help twenty five thousand more primary school age children, basic cycle training safety um courses and I think they try to uh, work with about half of the schools in the UK currently but they want to extend that to make sure as many kids as possible know how to be safe on the road.
1: And was it that sort of training and the safety side of things that first introduced you to maybe riding your bike more as a kid?
4: Well actually my dad is the one who gave me most of my cycle training in terms of safety and he was very strict with me and actually it served me very well because I can still remember some of the things... He told me and the advice he gave me when I was very young to make sure that I was safe and that I looked after myself on the roads. And, yeah, as I said, it's, it has served me
1: well. Well, you're a lot younger than I am, so uh, you probably wore a cycle helmet when you were a kid, whereas that was less I likely to happen for me. But uh, it, it, there have been some you know, good steps to improve safety over recent years, haven't they?
4: There have. I mean, th- this program and bikeability in itself, I think, encourages kids to start young in learning the skills on the road and and hopefully then give them the confidence to to be safe and that would develop onwards without, um, you know, without having to go anywhere. You know, they can be at school and bring their bikes along. They can have the, the training from trained professionals and, and then hopefully give your parent, the parents a bit of reassurance that they have the ability to, to cycle to school and, and as you mentioned schools are encouraging kids and their students to come by foot or by bike and I think therefore it's important that the kids get the training that they need in order to be safe.
1: Yeah it is good uh, exercise but it also provides good road awareness as well so it probably helps them when they're on foot as well as when they're riding the bike and then eventually when they go on to drive they know to be mindful of cyclists on the roads.
5: Yeah, yeah, that's definitely, that's it. So that's a key message of Bikeability. It's all about sharing sharing the road with other road users.
1: And when it comes down to the sort of things that you're looking at in a kid's bike, uh, what, what sort of things should we be looking out for to make sure we get on the road safely? Because it doesn't have to be expensive, does it?
5: No, it doesn't have to be expensive. It just needs to be a bike that fits you correctly um, and has been measured for you. I mean, one of the key things if you're getting a new bike is if you go somewhere like a, a Halford store, speak to some of our, our trained colleagues they're experts in what they do and they'll fit you to your bike they'll make sure you're coming away with the right bike Um, and if you if you're not buying a new bike if you are going to take part in something like bikeability then you get to take your bike into a halford store and we'll give it a free safety check make sure everything's running smoothly before you do your bikeability
1: course so a mini mot for your bike and it is important that things like the brake pads and the tyres are in good condition the same way as if you're driving a car
5: yeah definitely definitely that's all part of the safety and everything that's sort of covered with bikeability if your bike's not running safely then um you won't be safe when you're out on the road
1: and we've mentioned already the fact that you know you would be suggesting to wear a cycle helmet for kids and adults for definite Uh, but there's also other things as well to make sure the lights are right on a bike and again bikeability will teach them what they need and when they need it
5: yeah definitely so make sure you've got reflectors on your bike make sure you you equipped with a bell um, and that you know how to use it so you can communicate what you're doing with other road users
1: I know I always found the bit that I struggled with when I was riding my bike was actually the changing gear part and uh, I I still struggle in the car driving automatic so you know it is (laughs) about making sure you do get the right sort of bike and yeah this sort of thing can be talked through and it is part of the whole learning experience of riding.
4: That's right. I mean, a lot of riding on the road, I think, and being a cyclist is confidence. And if you feel confident in the, the bike that you're riding and in your own personal skills, then you're going to be much better equipped to make the right decisions on the road and be focusing on you know, the, the things you need to be in the traffic and rather than worrying about your own um, ability to change gear, for example, or use the right brake to, to slow down and those kind of things. And so I think you remove that kind of anxiety and you can focus on on just being safe on the road which is important if you're nervous then you're likely to make mistakes or or make decisions perhaps that weren't as as calculated as they could be so i think that's a big part of it it's just being confident with, with what you do
1: they're not all going to go on and get double Olympic golds. But, they uh, might. They could, couldn't they? This is the thing. <laughs> it, it, it can be the start. And I suppose once you're you, uh, you know, getting into your, your cycling uh, and, and see what it does for you and the way you feel when you're doing it, it can lead to, to really big things to go forward like yourself.
4: It can. It could well do. I mean, I was just cycling around, enjoying myself, got involved with a few kids' races, and at 16 got talent spotted. Um, it was totally out of the blue. I had no idea. So that could be you.
1: And before you know, it, a side of the several you know, years hard work. You could get a couple of gold medals and a CBA. What more could you ask yeah, for? I,
4: exactly, it could all happen.
1: And the nation will be proud of you too, which I know is actually <laughs> the case. So, where can we go to find out more about BikeAbility and the offers uh, by, from Halfords to look after your bike? So, if you want
5: to pop onto Halfords.com uh, and type in BikeAbility in the search bar, that'll give you more information about the program and uh, where it's offered.
1: And bikeability.org.uk can also offer more information about the Trust Lessons. So, thank you both for joining us. Victoria, keep up the good work and uh, promoting the world of cycling. Uh, but for now, Victoria Pendleton, CBE, and Sam Crabtree of Halfords, thank you both.
4: Thank you.
1: Cheers. In a moment, we'll be having a chat with Luke, one of the Smallbone Brothers from from King and Country. Before we do, let's take a listen to their single, Joy. Lately
0: I've been really watching the nightly news don't seem to find the rhythm just want to sing the blues feels like a song that never stops feels like it's never gonna gotta get that fire fire back in my bones before my heart heart turns into stone so when somebody please pass the megaphone
1: i'll shout it from For King and Country is being released in the UK. It is Grammy-nominated. To tell me more, I'm joined by Luke Smallbon. Hello, sir. How you
6: doing, man, you doing good?
1: All good here. So uh, you're about to take the UK by storm, I believe. Well, you can hope
6: so. Uh, I don't know if it's true or not, but I like your enthusiasm and I'll take your word for it.
1: (laughs) Well, we'll see what what happens. But you've already had uh, a measure of success over here. Uh, I know a lot of the Christian radio stations have picked up on uh, some of your earlier work. Although equally, I know the current album is sounding a lot more mainstream, but still with a a background that's very wholesome.
6: Yeah, man. Look, I I think it's important for music always to move and shake and change, you know, and so... Yeah, the the new album. Uh, hope, hopefully, it, it does you know progress a little bit because you know you always want to make sure that you're you're reaching uh, obviously your existing fan base, but you're reaching out to, to new people as well. And so yeah, it, we we like to write songs that are near and dear to our hearts, and that are honest and real. And uh, but hopefully they've got uh, maybe a, a modern twist to it. Who knows?
1: So obviously you you're working with your brother Joel and. When you're compiling music, coming up with ideas, is this sort of uh, something that's worked through since your childhood? Is, has it really been you know, many years of uh, preparation for, for King & Country? I think it was probably
6: more uh, you know, the post-high uh, post school uh, kind of age was when we, we really kind of started to work together and actually started to figure out how to work together because you are right, it's a difficult thing uh, when uh, you know you're you're growing up as brothers and you're kinda arch rivals to for a lack of a better term because you're all you're trying to figure out, you know, who you are, what you want, and sometimes that other brother might want the same thing but you're in the way and you know, it creates <laughs> tension. Uh, so with with songwriting it really it was you know, we, we were worked together for about five, six years before we were really uh, you know, anybody really knew who we were. And It was in that five or six years that we really learned how to work together, learned how to respect each other, learned to learned to respect each other's craft and what the other might be better at than the other, and and uh, that w- those were very uh, very needed years in, in our development.
1: Um, but your music itself, though, I mean, it is multi award winning, isn't it?
6: Yeah, no, uh, and and you know, you, you don't ever probably similar to as, as yourself, you don't ever get into your 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 work because you you're thinking through awards, but you know, awards become something that, uh, I don't take terribly seriously, but you do take them as like a little encouragement from either your existing supporters or, 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 you know, and when it comes to Grammys and different things like that, those people are, are your peers. Those are the people who are looking at, uh, uh, at what you're doing, uh, and just saying, Hey, I'm in this industry as well. And I really applaud the, the, the work that you're, uh, That you're doing. So you you take that as a little bit of a pat on the back and and then you move
1: on. That's all good. It's great working with your brother, I assume, because at least it's somebody you know when or when you're not going to get on with him. So that always works quite well. But uh, you've been uh, touring all over. And I mean, the Australian leg of the tour, which is, of course, your homeland, that went particularly well. But uh, you're working out of the US pretty much at the moment. And uh, have you been as well received over there?
6: Yeah. So obviously born in Australia, uh, we never really, you know, went uh, you know, when we were in Australia, we were never really trying to, we were very young boys actually at the time. So we weren't really working in Australia as artists and in the States is actually where everything was really built. I mean the, the, in America, uh, very different from Australia, very different from the UK. I mean, you could literally tour in America all year long for as many shows as you could ever dream of. There's just so many people and there's so many markets, Uh you know? And so it was really built here in america and as 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 things have grown in america that's when we've started to go obviously do a little bit more in europe uh, last year went to australia new zealand singapore and the philippines this year and and we will continue to do that because you know i, I think it's very important for for music to to be global music not just you know in one country you know you don't, you don't make you don't make music for just one particular country you make music for people and there are people all over the world and So we want to go see those people
1: uh, but you've actually also released uh, an indie film as well
6: Yes, we also did release a film. Yeah, I, you know, we, uh, we, when we were growing up, you know, music obviously was a big part of our lives, but also uh, we, arts as a whole were. And so our older brother Ben is a, is a filmmaker now. And uh, we, we had been talking about uh, this priceless movement at our shows, which is basically just saying to women, hey, culture says for you to talk and dress like you're worth nothing more than a penny, but we believe that there's a God who says that you're priceless. And it, it literally is such a powerful thing that we talk about from from the stage that we thought to ourselves, is this is there more work to be done here? Is there something more that we can do? And, and uh, so we started working on a film with our brother Ben, and then while we we're working on the film, Ben came this song uh, called Priceless, and uh, you know it's uh, it's been kind of this kind of wild ride of you know starting out purely in music, and and you know now it's it's become you know this this company or this business almost it's, it's involved in, in films as well and so we're looking uh to actually do kind of another announcement on a film uh, later on this month and so there's all sorts of uh all sorts of things taking place now
1: <laughs> well burn the ships is the third album from you and this is again going to be another big release and uh yeah, the single joy you're rather enjoying having out there as well at the moment i'm going to guess so uh yeah what's actually happening as far as maybe visiting the uk goes are you touring over here soon
6: we're hoping to get back over there either, uh, this year or, uh, or next. And, uh, you know, as I, as I said before, you know, our, our hope is, is to, uh, to really kind of get all over the world at least once a year, you know, go out and do, uh, shows, uh, kind of, uh, wherever we can, wherever we can get to and, and get home and, and make sure we're, uh, uh, taking care of our families and not being gone for months at a time, all at the same time. <laughs> but yeah, we hope we hope to be we hope to be over at the UK uh, very soon.
1: And joy itself has been remixed too. So you're not afraid of having your music appear in, in different formats and, and letting other people collaborate with you on it either.
6: No, I, well, I think collaboration and and uh, uh, you know. I'm, I'm, working with different people and, and music going out into places that, you know, you, you might not normally have them or, 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 whatnot. I think that's, that's how you, you know, you get in front of different ears. That's how you, and, that, and, and, and at the same time, that's how I think you, you get better. You know, I, I think in, you know, I grew up loving sports and if you wanted to get better at sports, what did you do? You play with people that were better than you, you know what I mean? And so you go out and you play with, you know, and work with different people that have, Uh, different uh, abilities, different skill sets. And uh, that is uh, something that we hope to to continue to do with collaborations and features and all sorts of different things.
1: Well, Joel and Luke Smallman make up for King & Country. It sounds like it's going to be another successful year for you. 2019 should be a good one. We're looking forward to hearing more from you here in the UK and enjoying the album Burn the Ships. But for now, Luke, thank you for joining us. Hey, man, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Time for a tune now from Cornerstone. This is Wrong Side of Love.
0: hold of me I'm on the wrong side of love She'd pick me up, she'd bring me down, leave me lying flat
1: cornerstone from the beautiful day ep that's the wrong side of love and don't forget their gig coming up at the new hampton arts center in april New old friends are back at it again with Crimes on the Nile. You may already have seen Crimes on the Coast. And they're out on tour across the country with all of this. I'm joined now by four of the cast. We have Fergus, Fergus. I know that because <laughs> they're on either end. And then we have Kirsty and Heather. Hello to you all.
0: Hello.
1: Right, where should we start? I think, Mr. Dunlop, we'll start with you down this end, to be fair, because right. you're one of the main protagonists in all this, aren't you?
7: Yeah, so I've, this is my. Fourth crime show that I've been part of as an actor and fifth crime show that I've written. So uh, it's been a joy. Uh, came up with the idea with Heather uh, a few years ago and luckily people seem to like them. So yeah. we keep, we'll keep we keep bringing them back until people stop coming. Because <laughs> you two are original new old friends, aren't
8: you? We are, yes. Fergus and I run it together and then whenever we have a new idea for a new project, we employ and bring on wonderful new actors and creative team to make it with us. And
1: there may be new actors, but they all have the same ethos of complete madness about them.
8: <laughs> yes, yes they do. That's, that's exactly what we love. Yeah. Um, and th- it, that that definitely continues again in this one.
1: So, so where are we at the moment then? There's a holiday afoot for uh, the, the the detective in your tale. Yes,
7: yeah, so we're in 1936?
1: Seven. 37. We're in
7: 1937 for this one. So um, for anybody that's sort of the most recent Christmas show, it's... Uh, Prior to, the, to that, uh, Arane has gone on holiday to Egypt uh, on a cruise up the Nile and encounters, as she always seems to do, a host of ridiculous characters um, played by Fergus, myself, and Heather. Uh, Kirsty's playing Arane. Mm-hmm. And then there is a murder. I don't think it's giving too much away to say there is a <laughs> <laughs> to be. Yeah. It really? be. Yeah. And uh, she investigates it. Uh, and there's some lovely, there's some lovely romance in this one. Um, it's, there's some really lovely gentle scenes, and uh, there's there has, has been known for some acting to break really? out in some of the scenes, which has been quite. Quite disconcerting and to see. Have you been trying to avoid
1: that? Would, yeah, generally. Yeah. We'd, generally, we try and stick
7: to stock characters wherever possible. Stock characters and dodgy accents, but occasionally some acting breaks out, which is rather
1: lovely. Yeah. Okay, so let's, let's move on to Aranay. Okay, Kirsty. Uh, so, uh, for, for this, have you seen any of this before you started working with the New Old friends? Yeah,
8: yeah. I'd seen um, Crimes Against Christmas and mm-hmm. Crimes on the Coast previously, so I knew, and obviously um, Artemis appears in Crimes on the Coast, so yeah. I'd seen um, the lovely Jill playing that part, and yeah, loved it. I thought it was brilliant, so I was just incredibly lucky to be able to have a go at playing the great woman myself. Oh, yeah, no, I mean, a, a, a big
1: role, and yes. uh, obviously uh, a lot of detective work to yes. be done, and all of it with a bit of a smirk on your face.
8: Yes, i say so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and it's quite, it's quite nice, because on this one, Artemis is on holiday, so she sort of starts off from quite relaxed and not really... Um, interested in anything <laughs> work, work based at all and then it all sort of explodes because obviously Artemis can't go on a holiday without something happening um, uh,
1: it's it, it, very much a, a Miss Marple kind of a way yeah. you know if uh, Miss Marple turns up something's going to go wrong well exactly uh, Jessica Fletcher I, I reckon it's always these women that do it, to be fair, <laughs> but um, uh, obviously not in Artista's no, case. No, she,
8: no, she's definitely... No, she's, that would be a twist. Oh, <laughs> no, she, she upholds the law in every sense, yes, she's very, yeah, she's great. Lovely, lovely character to play.
1: Yeah. And you are the only one who gets to be your character throughout?
8: All the way through, yeah, I play... You, so you just myself. get to chill and relax.
1: <laughs> <laughs> these have all got to work really hard. <laughs>
8: they do work incredibly hard. Um... I suppose what I have is that I have all these sort of monologues to the audience, explaining everything that's going on. So I have quite a lot of lines, but also when I'm on stage doing those monologues, all I can hear is everybody else's voice in my head going, "Just go slower. We've got to concentrate. <laughs> go slower. Go slower." So there's all of that, you know. So they do so much work physically, and I think maybe I've got the more sometimes a bit of a mental challenge to get through it, also, especially you're, the you're
7: kind of the syntax as well. Because Ara's yeah. Belgian in that kind of. Poirot-esque way so the sentences don't work the way they should so Kirsty has to juggle all of that give us time to to do our changes and
8: continue the story as yeah, well it's just,
7: it's, she is the heart of the story so. there's a lot to hold on to there isn't yeah, there yeah I, definitely I, I always say I, th- I think Arona is definitely even though it Audiences might think we're working hard, I think Aaron is the one that's working hardest. Yeah, okay. yeah. Well, we'll, we'll
1: let you have that for now. Oh, yes. but, but it was confusing, because we have the second Fergus over here. I, I had yes, to pass you as the second one, because he uses the original. Yes, yeah. um, and, uh, But it means you're not even sure what your own name is in the show, <laughs> let alone you, know, you get to share everything. What's going on? How many characters? Uh, so I've got three characters who I play, mm-hmm. and it's an absolute joy swapping between them. I think what is
4: particularly fun is when you go to a part of the country that you're doing that accent
1: from <laughs> so uh, one of my characters is Scottish that's no spoiler um, and when we were in Scotland the, the reaction was a little bit different to what we got when we were <laughs> in England
8: but we are going to Wales next week uh, and yeah. that'll be Ferg's turn with his Welsh character so yeah. we'll see hopefully
7: yeah. um, we're not playing Bavaria yeah, anyway. that, 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 <laughs> that'd,
8: be, that'd be
1: really bad When you're putting this together, do you two try and concoct something to be really awkward for yourselves? Do you want a proper test?
7: Well, yes, I do do the sort of bulk of the writing. The ideas come from both of us. um, And I will almost, I will invariably put in at least one section which Heather uh, has to say a lot of words very fast. that are quite confusing. And that's no different in this show. But what was interesting this time around, um, you actually directly requested a challenge. Because you didn't think that, you, you thought there was a sort of... A style of scene missing. I don't want to give too much away, but um, in the in the series, there's a, there's often been a moment where one of the characters Heather's played have had kind of quite standout kind of moments. And you said, like, I think this show could could handle that, and it was an absolute nightmare to learn. But she
1: asked for it. It's very <laughs> important to know that she asked so, for so it. So come and see the show, see the challenge, <laughs> yeah. and see what a glutton for punishment you are.
8: Uh, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. As soon as it was written, I was like, oh, right, it's absolutely brilliant. Oh no, now, <laughs> now I have to learn this. So, yeah.
1: so, so we've got, we got three characters, one character. How many each? i got four and you've got five. five. Yeah. So you're definitely the hardest working one. <laughs> yeah, I'll so, take that crown, yes. Yeah, that's all good. <laughs> and uh, so you're, you're travelling all over the place with this. It's going to be absolutely fantastic to see. Where can you be found on the road? What's the, is the best place to check your website? Yeah, if you check our
7: website, newoldfriends.co.uk. New old uh, also on social media, Twitter, at newoldfriends, Facebook. Instagram, all of those places, uh, and we're on the road till May, so there's still plenty
1: of seats. Particularly if you live in Windsor, do come and see us. If you live in Windsor, okay, <laughs> check out Windsor on there. New old friends is what you're looking for. Find you on Facebook as well. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Yeah, New and, Old Friends. Yeah, yeah and wouldn't uh, m- m- you do that on there? You'll be finding out about all the fantastic shows you have, pretty much for life, and you will be yeah, compelled to come and see all of them. I think that's wow. how it works, Thank isn't you very it? Much. They yes. are the New Old Friends. They're well worth a look. Come along and see them. They're absolutely mad. They're
0: great. Bye. <laughs> Time to tell you why Give me wings so I may fly
1: from cornerstone here on the milk bar 60 percent of brits think they will see much more extreme weather in the near future but how bad will it get and is there anything we can do to stop it to tell us more i'm joined now by weather expert sarah thornton and also the hurricane man josh morgan hello to you both hello howdy right so uh, tell me a bit more about this uh, this survey and people being concerned about the weather is it going to be as bad as some people think
9: Well, I think that what people are responding to with this new survey, as you say, three in five Brits say that the weather that we're experiencing is going to get more intense with higher temperatures, longer warm spells, maybe more tropical nights. I think people are now understanding that the planet is in a period of change and is going to continue to change. And by that, of course, we're talking about climate change. Used to use the phrase global warming. Now we really talk about climate change. And because of that, the scientists are very confident that we will see more intense and extreme weather events as we go through the coming decades. And that will largely depend on how much the globe continues to warm. You know, the hope is that in the next decades it will warm by just, Two degrees, which is an awful lot of warming, yep. uh, the worst case scenarios have is warming at three degrees. That would really spell some disastrous weather. And of course, we're already seeing so many hurricanes. They're not new to us. What is changing about the hurricanes that we see around the world or the typhoons or the cyclone, lights like just so badly affected parts of southern Africa, is that they're becoming more intense.
1: So this intensity, though, uh, obviously that is uh, a problem for the resilience of buildings that, even in the, the hurricane strips across the US, are designed to be able to cope with some things, but they won't be able to cope with what does hit them with these more powerful storms.
9: Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, even in the UK, we're very much aware that we need to work on our flood defences, our seawall defences, you know, there's just a massive project in the northeast of England, which has uh, seen, it just come to completion, actually, uh, for much more in the way of flood defences. Uh, we see, don't we, in the southwest peninsula, across parts of Cornwall and Devon, in Norfolk, for instance, we see these, this footage. Of our coasts eroding and cottages just falling into the sea, and so it is about infrastructure. And then you have third world countries which are so badly affected by some of these very very powerful storms, and they don't have the infrastructure to start with. And what they have are mudslides, which result, you know, from very very intense rainfall. And you've got you've got wind, you've got rain, you've got coastal flooding. You have so many different things. You've got hurricanes. That tornadoes for instance and this is where josh really comes into his own because he's experienced it he's been in the very very heart of some of these unbelievably powerful storms
1: yeah i mean with the uh, the memory still with over 55 that almost half of them remember the great storm in 1987 that uh, michael fish said on the bbc wasn't going to be worth worrying about i mean josh you know what is worth worrying about and how to respect these storms
10: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, there's there's nothing quite like the wrath of a hurricane. And, uh, you know, whether it's a Category 1 or a Category 5, it always, uh, you know, never, I've been in so many more than any other person ever. And uh, it still, it never ceases to amaze me. I have, I have healthy respect for the power of them. Why I keep putting myself in the way of them <laughs> is maybe a good question, but one that I haven't quite figured out.
1: Yeah, I mean, what first got you into this? Because there's a a massive level of danger involved, but there must be some amazing sights to be seen too.
10: Yeah, you know, it's a good question what got me into it. You know, for as long as I can remember, I grew up on an island off the east coast of the U.S., and we'd get hurricanes on occasion. And even as a toddler, you know, when the wind would start to blow like crazy and the house would shake and trees would go down, I just had some reaction. It was like drugs to me. I was very excited. And so my whole life has basically been just hunting after that, that feeling again and again, What's changed over the years is now um, my my big thrill now is collecting data inside the storms, uh, you know, especially ones coming ashore in remote areas where there aren't weather stations, because when you collect data that otherwise wouldn't exist, they help scientists understand what happened. You're sort of like, I feel like I'm kind of filling in the missing puzzle piece and that's a, that's a really cool feeling and that that's sort of really what motivates me now. And I have to take some big risks because the really scientifically meaningful data are right in the center of the hurricane and, and the, the center is calm. It's called the eye. The sun comes out. It stops raining. The wind stops blowing. But the most violent part of a hurricane is a circle around the eye. It's called the eye wall. And that's where things go nuts. So in order to get into the eye to get the pressure readings and the really scientifically meaningful data, you've got to go through the worst part of the storm. <laughs> so every one of these missions is actually pretty dangerous.
9: But Josh is really a unique person, I think, in the world. You know, I'm a weather person. I've been a weather person for 20 years. And I've been in some pretty severe weather myself. I grew up in the States. We had really intense snowfall where I lived. We also had tornadoes. I was once in a tornado cluster where about seven or eight of them ended up touching down, and it was terrifying. I've live broadcasted in some very severe weather. I was once on the North Norfolk coast, just about nearly blown off. It was sort of (laughs) funny, but not funny, because I really, really was in quite some peril. And I've been in terrible flooding as well It's all terrifying The difference between me and most of us And someone like Josh is I would get out of dodge if uh, (laughs) severe weather was coming whereas josh runs straight towards it in part because he loves it but also because he knows that he's collecting really valuable scientific data which helps scientists understand these great storms how they're intensifying and perhaps what the future may hold
1: yeah unless we know what's going to happen we don't know what we can do about it and i suppose we'll see all of this as part of the new show that you've got coming up josh
10: yeah, I'm really excited about it because I think what it does is that, you know, a lot of people don't know what a hurricane's like, and this show will show you. It's, it's really cool. So I've always chased hurricanes on my own, just been like a lone wolf prowling the earth. This year I had a British film crew, it was actually three, uh, following me around the world, Japan, Philippines, Philippines. Uh, Mexico, the U S as I hunted down these storms, one crew was with me as I went into the eye to collect data. Another crew was with families in the way of the storms to kind of get how it is for an ordinary person to go through this. And then the third crew was with emergency services to get their angle on it. So each of these episodes is showing like just from all these different angles, what it's like when a hurricane smashes a city in Japan or the U S or Mexico or wherever. So it's very, it's educational. It's intense. Uh, and I think it. Uh, I think it's really eye-opening for folks that don't realize what a hurricane is like.
9: And I've seen. I've seen the first episode, and I have to tell you, it is brilliant, brilliant television. You know, because there is that human side to it, seeing how people have to clear up their lives after these terrible storms. Uh, you see it from Josh's point of view, and of course, he he really understands them, unlike many many people, most people on the earth. And he's also with a camera crew who've never seen the like of it, <laughs> and they're terrified, if I'm being honest, but professional. Uh, you know, and and also for us in the West Midlands, the uh, Wolverhampton area, it is important because we are a part of Tornado Alley and we can have some very severe weather. You think back to 2005 and the, and the uh, tornado that swept across Birmingham and caused all that damp- damage there. The winds that came from that were still nothing like the winds that Josh hurtles himself towards in this series.
1: Well, I, th- I think he's mad. I think the film crew are probably just as mad, but I'm <laughs> grateful for the fact you're getting the data and getting the pictures too. So this is going to be on UK TV. Where can we see it?
10: You can see it uh, starting, it premieres 7 p.m. Sunday on Dave, and also, as soon as it airs on TV, you can also get that episode one and episode two immediately on UKTV Play. So uh, yeah, and that'll be good, because you, uh, episode one, is, as uh, Sarah can say, uh, it really, uh, it ends with a cliffhanger, so so if you really want to see episode two immediately, you want immediate gratification, you don't want to wait a whole week, get it on UKTV Play.
1: Go and check it all out there. Sounds like it's going to be absolutely brilliant. UKTV.co.uk is how you can uh, get to direct to the website. Click on the links. You're looking out for the hurricane, man. And in real life, that's Josh Morgan. Thank you, Josh. Also, thank you, Sarah. Have a great time. Enjoy watching the weather as much as, as we do. But, uh, <laughs> you know, have, have uh, a good one. And, and, Josh, do stay safe for us, won't you? Thank you both. Thanks. Thank you. That's a lot for this week. Thank you so much for joining us. Back with episode five hundred and ten next week. I'll see you then. Goodbye for now.
0: Goodbye from the mill bar. 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 bar. Yeah. Goodbye from the mill bar. Yeah.